Every team has this in common. They wear a jersey. And that's why I don't include swimming because their jersey is very, very small and inappropriate. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially male swimmers. I'm just like, have you no shame, Michael Phelps, right? But dude, every team has a jersey. I remember I was in middle school, I was in eighth grade and we were going to, we, we had football, right? And my favorite day of the entire season, you guys know where I'm going, right? My favorite day, more than the game that I scored my first touchdown and my last touchdown, more than the game where it was like, you know, honoring all the eighth graders, my favorite day was Jersey day, right? How many people know what I'm talking about, right? because you're sweating for days. The coach is intentionally trying to kill you because he's like, I only got 30 jerseys and there's 40 of you. So like, I'm just gonna make you run, you know? And you're like, I thought this was football practice. Why don't I ever touch a ball? And he's like, shut up and run. And so you do all of that and you survive. I will survive. And you survive and you break through the sweat. And finally you show up to the day where you get your equipment. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so you show up and the first thing in line, you got your, pick your helmet and you're like, oh, this is awesome, yeah. And then you get your shoulder pads or, or if you're a rugby player, you get no pads because it's rugby life, right? I'm like, stupid, right? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? And so you get your pads and you get your knee pads and then the final room, the final room, you walk in there and you get to pick your jersey. You get to pick your jersey right? And you get to pick your number and you get the jersey because your jersey is a statement. I'm on the team. <laughs> People that aren't on the team, they don't get no jerseys, right? They don't get no jersey because they're not on the team, but I'm on the team. So I get a jersey. And so when you get your jersey, right? How many people, they wear it every game day, right? All right, I guess I'm the only one, right? You guys suck. Thanks a lot, right? I wore my jersey on game day. I wore my jersey to sleep. I wore my jersey in the mirror. I mean, I'd be home, right? My mom would walk. I'm like, mom, get out. Sam, why are you wearing your jersey to sleep? Don't worry about it, right? I loved my jersey because my jersey was a statement that I was a member of the team. My jersey was a statement that I had made the team. And now I stand for what the team stands for. I've represented the team. I've represented the team. I was a sophomore in high school and there was a guy named Mike. And Mike was a senior. I ran track and field. And Mike was our senior captain. And Mike, you know, he was super, super fast. He was our top hurdler. He made it to districts. He placed every year pretty much while he was in high school. And so Mike is here our senior year, right? Man, I always loved Mike. He was hilarious. And Mike had a race. Right? He didn't win the race. In this race, Mike actually had his worst performance of the year, right? Big me, it was the no, he was the number one seed. There was a number two guy there and he was feeling the pressure and Mike botched it. Hit half the hurdles, finished in last place. And Mike was so angry that instead of waiting in the line, any track and field people, right? Anybody run track? You know how it is, you get to the end of the race and you stay in your lane, wait for them to tell you your time. And you have, Mike was so angry he didn't stay in his lane. He stormed off the track and just ran under the bleachers. And Mike proceeded to cuss and scream and kick the gravel. And he was so angry. And he thought nobody could hear him, right? But there was one guy who happened to be walking by and he sees this young man, a senior in high school named Mike. And he sees him wearing the track uniform. And this guy who was walking by, he was an alumni. 
He was in high school years ago and he had once worn the same uniform that he just saw Mike Reyes wearing as he cussed up and down the bleachers. And as he looked at Mike, he got so angry at this young man who was acting a fool because he says, I know that's not what the track and field program of Pleasant Valley High School is all about. Yes, I went to Pleasant Valley High School. Thank you. We were very pleasant. We lived in the valley. Say what? Right? So he looks at Mike and he gets so angry because he sees this young man wearing a jersey and the jersey is a statement. Oh, I represent this team. This is who we are. And as he looks at Mike, he goes, you know what, dude? That kid is not representing. And so he goes and he tells the head coach. And the next day, guess what we do, right? He sits us down. Actually, we ran, right, eventually. But first he sits us down and he begins to tell us how Mike acted a fool. And he, and he looked at us and he was angry and he held up a jersey. And he said, when you put on this jersey, you represent our program. You represent what we're about. And last night after the meet, and he didn't even say names, but we all knew, right? He goes, one of you, you were claiming to represent this program and you didn't. You were not living worthy of our program. And we proceeded to run, no practice, just running two miles, right? Over and over, just running. That's what we're talking about tonight, friends. We're in Philippians chapter one. Michaela read beautifully for us, verse 27. And look what it says here. Look at the very first part of our verse. It says, only let your manner of life, let's pull it up on the screen. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only let your manner of life be worthy. Everybody say be worthy. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so now this phrase here, friends, this phrase, let your, light, let your manner of life, that's, lit, that's actually one word. And it literally means live as citizens. <laughs> that's our name. Whoa, I see what you did there. No, seriously, that word, let your manner of life, it means live as citizens. And so the Philippians were part of the Roman Empire. And this was actually a really common phrase in the Roman Empire. They would say to each other, right? And I can just imagine men, you know, not wearing shirts and they have muscles like they're in 300. I, just, I picture Rome. I'm like, I wish I, if I could be born in any era, how many people know it'd be the Roman Empire, right? I just, I feel like I would automatically be jacked. That may be a stereotype, but I'm gonna stick with it, right? And so I just imagine these big men and they're just in muscles and they go to the steam room and they're like, yes, Rome. Italy, meatball, right? Whatever it is. And they're just like, and I get to see, I can understand why that phrase was such a common phrase. Live as citizens. Live, live as citizens. And what they, were, what they meant was, you're a Roman citizen. It means something to be a Roman citizen. When they said live as citizens, they were saying, live a lifestyle that is appropriate for someone who bears the name Roman citizen, not the name Roman, the status Roman citizen. Live as citizens. Whenever a Roman would look at each other, they say, oh, you're a Roman? So there's certain things that Romans do. There's certain things that Romans don't do. And so they would look at each other man to man, face to face, and they would say, live as citizens, meaning represent Rome. Oh, you're, you're going to call yourself a Roman citizen? You're wearing the Roman citizen jersey? Then you better represent what Rome is all about. You're representing who we are. You are representing Rome. Live as citizens. 
So now here's Paul <laughs> and he's talking to these Philippians and he says to them this phrase, this macho phrase, he goes, live as citizens, let your manner of life be worthy. And he's telling them, you're not a Roman, you may be Roman citizens, but I'm telling you, live your life as a person who has been made a citizen of what? Citizen of heaven. You've been made a child of God. And so Paul is looking at the Philippians face to face through his writing. He's looking at you today face to face through his writing. And he's saying, live as citizens. You may not have the Jesus jersey, friends, all right? You may have not been like, Jesus, I get a jersey. I'm number one. Actually, Jesus is number one, right? So that's why we don't get jerseys. I mean, I looked into it, like theologically, the reason we don't get jerseys is because we can't number ourselves. It'd be too difficult. I'm kidding. There's like a million reasons why we don't get Jesus jerseys, right? That'd be way too expensive. But anyway, we don't get jerseys, right? You guys don't have jerseys, but you know what you do have? We talked about this several weeks ago. You've been invited to the table, right? When you're saved, when Jesus rescues you, he brings you to the table. And remember that phrase in chapter one? You are a fellow partaker. And so friends, you may not be wearing the Jesus jersey. You may not be wearing a tattoo on your forehead that says citizen of heaven, but you have been saved. You are living at the table. And so Paul is saying to you, friends, look what you're claiming. Many of you in this room have gone public with your faith. You stood up in front of a hundred plus people on a Sunday morning and you got baptized saying, Jesus has saved me. And so people, they're looking at you. They know who you are. They know what you claim to be, Jersey or not. And Paul is looking at you and he's saying, friends, this is his big idea. He's saying, represent. Everybody say, represent. Look to your neighbor and say, represent. No, 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 no. Look, I want you to look at your neighbor in their eyeballs, right? Look at them in the windows of their soul and tell them from your gut, represent. Represent. Friends, tonight I am calling you to represent. I'm calling citizens youth to represent. I'm not calling you to represent your soccer team, all right? I'm not calling you to represent your football team or your rugby team. I'm not even calling you to represent our youth group. I'm calling you to represent Jesus. Those of you in this room who have been rescued by God, those of you in this room who have been brought to the table, who bear the name Christian, and you're claiming to the world, you're making a statement, I am with Jesus. I'm calling you to represent him. Represent what he's about, right? Represent what he stands for. Live lives that are appropriate for someone who is a citizen of heaven. And that's it. That's our big idea tonight, friends. Represent. Represent. Represent to your unbelieving friends, right? They know you're a Christian. They know you're on the team. Are you living like someone who's on the team? Represent to your family. Those of you who have unbelieving parents and unbelieving siblings, they know what you claim. Are you representing? You guys have friends in school. You have neighbors. You have friends outside of school. Whatever it is, you have coworkers. I'm calling you tonight to represent. And so for the next couple moments, my question to you is this, and this is actually all of our questions. How do we represent? He says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But what does it look like for you to represent Jesus? And there's two things. 
There's two things that he says here in the text, and it's really simple. And I'm gonna, we're gonna read the text and just go through them. Here's what it looks like. Are you guys ready? Everybody say two things. Two things. Two things that you know you are representing Jesus. So let's look at the first one. Let's continue verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I love that. There was like, it reminds me, I'm so ADHD, let me pause. That reminds me of like when I was uh, in high school, we had that sign up on the wall and it was like character, doing the right thing, even if no one is looking. You know what I mean? You guys ever see those signs, right? Right, thank you. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, right? Sympathy, right? That's what it reminds me of here. Paul's like, hey, I'm not gonna be your mama, all right? I'm not trying to parent you. Whether I come and see you face to face or or whether I don't make it out there, I wanna at least hear the report. I wanna hear from you that you are standing firm in, in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so now here's the first mark. Here's the first mark of someone who's representing Jesus. Citizens that represent, they're united. That's the first mark. You can write it down in your notes. Citizens that represent, they're united, right? Look what he says here. Look what he says. He says, one spirit, one mind, right? One band, one sound, right? Whoo, drum line, anyone? No, you guys are so little. All right. Dude, Nick Cannon? Nobody has posters of him in their room? Sorry. One band. I mean, no, no. One spirit, one mind, side by side. And so here's the picture, right? Here's what that means. Let's put it up here. Those phrases there, he's saying this, living as if you're on the same team. One spirit. We're of the same spirit. We're of the same mind. We're striving side by side. So it's like this. Come up here, buddy, right? He's using, you gotta love Paul here because Paul, he's always using like sports language or for, for like times of extreme, he uses like war language. So right now we have a sports metaphor here, right? He's like, I want you to strive, right? Like, so it's like, imagine we're on the same team, right? And he says of one spirit, we're of one mind, meaning, head down, right? You're focused. Meaning we're going toward the same cause, right? We're going, we're going, right? We're going for the same goal. Do you see we're of the same spirit? Do you see that our spirits match? Like if you could see the colors, it'd be like super complimentary. You see that, right? Right? Guys, come on, interior design, right? So we're on, back to sports, back to sports. We're on the same spirit with the same mind, meaning we're living like we're on the same team. So we have the same cause, right? We have the same goal. We're going toward the same way. Are you going toward the same way I am? Yes. Because you seem really disunited right now, bro. Like, are you with me or not? Yes. Come on, dude, right? So we're going the same way. We're striving side by side. Look, we're grinding, grit your teeth. Oh, right? Oh, we're going, we're together on this. That's what it looks like. Sit, don't, where are you, bro, same mind. Same mind, sit, stand, strive, stop, all right? <laughs> citizens that represent are united. And so friends, when you, citizens together, when you, bro, I'm about to disunite you, all right? So listen, when you guys, when you guys are, are getting into, when you guys are united with other citizens, you are representing, you are living lives that are appropriate for someone who has been saved. But here's what happens. You guys come to youth group. You're in your teens. You have hormones and you're a sinner. Talk about a spider bomb, right? Like, 
And so what you do is you guys get into fights and you guys have drama and you go from one day saying, oh my gosh, he's like my best friend. And then the next day you're like, I want to kill him, right? Why is it that we're not united at times? You know what it is? I'm gonna tell you right here. Look at it. Me and Josh, is he my boy? Yes. yes. We're striving side by side. We're together. We have one mind. But here's what happens. Here's the root of disunity in this youth group. Here's the root of drama and conflict among citizens of heaven. We stop pursuing the same thing. We're going, right? One mind, one sound, one band, one cause. Check, check. One cause. And what happens is there comes a point where I'm going to switch my aim. So we're pointing that way, right? I'm, we're go- are you going toward Jesus? Yes. I'm going toward Jesus, yes. right? And then I'm going toward Jesus. I'm going toward Jesus. And then, whoop, wait a minute, time out. I'm going toward sin. Whoop, wait a minute, time out. I'm pursuing selfishness. But then this guy, he's no longer pursuing Jesus. He's pursuing his personal vendettas. And he's pursuing his own agendas. And so at the root of all of our disunity is that we're pursuing, we're no longer pursuing Jesus, but we're pursuing different things. And it's bringing us on a crash course. Because in his world, he's like, I'm most important. I'm gonna pursue my selfishness. I'm gonna pursue my sin. And I go, I don't like that cause because I'm most important. And so I'm gonna produce my, produce my, and just boom. And we're like on a crash course. You're hilarious. Stop, all right? We're on a crash course because at the root of our disunity is that we are no longer pursuing Jesus. Does that make sense? When you find yourself, right? Stay up here, buddy. I like you up here. When you find yourself uh, uh, in, in conflict with your other citizens, when you find yourself not representing by being united, it's because you're running after pursuits that are on conflict with each other. And so friends, when I'm going this way and he's going this way and now we're in conflict and now we're mad at each other and I'm saying, you know what? I'm not gonna go to your youth group anymore and you're not coming to my parties and we're just not friends. That is not appropriate for a citizen of heaven, right? That is not appropriate for for people who have been saved. That is not appropriate because friends, Josh, sit down here, right? That's not appropriate for people who've been saved because friends, you know what the foundation of the gospel is? We've been united with God. The foundation of your life is that you've been saved and united to the family of God. And so how is it that I'm going to claim to be a Jesus follower. I'm gonna claim to believe in the gospel, which says that God united me to him, but then when I get with my brothers and sisters, we're not united with each other. That's not representing. That is inconsistent. That is not living like a citizen. Josh, thank you so much, Josh. You're you're beautiful. Give it up for Josh, thank you. That is not worthy of someone who follows Christ. It's interesting, friends, right? Because I'm here and I'm giving you the pep talk. Represent! Get crunk, represent! It's a Lecrae song, we'll play it afterwards, right? I'm telling you, represent, right? And you're like, how do I represent? How do I represent Jesus? How do I live as a citizen? But look what happens here. The very first thing that he tells you about representing it's not to an individual, it's to a group. Do you notice that? He says, hey, Jacob, I'm gonna tell you, Quinn, I'm gonna tell you how to represent, all right? 
And instead of focusing on the individual level, Quaylen, if you're going to represent, no cussing, no drinking, no lying, no pure. It's like he, the very first thing that he talks about representing, it doesn't focus on the individual. He focuses on the group level. He says, here's the first mark of representing. You're united. It involves the whole group. And so the point here, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So the point is, if representing means being united with the group of citizens, then I can't represent Jesus without the community of citizens. Do you see that? If representing means follow, be, being united with Jesus' followers, then I cannot represent Christ without being connected to a group of Jesus' followers. Do you see that? Do you understand that? And so how many of you have heard, how many of you have said, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian? How many of you have heard that? True or false? You know what I answer when people ask me true or false? I say neither, stupid. <laughs> true or false, Sam? Neither, stupid. <laughs> Stu you don't have to be a Christian. But friends, if representing Jesus means being united with his family, then how can you do that unless you have a family? How do you represent Jesus unless you have a group of people that you can strive alongside with, that you can stand firm, that you can be of one spirit? And so when people tell me, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church, I go, so then who do you stand in one spirit with? Who, like Josh came up here, who do you strive side by side with? Friends, if you're gonna represent Jesus, you need the community. But how many people know that that's kind of hard sometimes? Raise your hand if you've been hurt by a Christian. Raise it high, like you're bitter. Psh, psh, psh. I'm just kidding, don't be bitter, get better. <laughs> You've been hurt, right? It's one thing to be hurt by like a non-Christian, right? Oh, I guess they're just not Christian, so they don't have the spiritual compass to know that they hurt me morally, right? That's what you guys all say. But when a Christian comes at you, that was my boy, we strove side by side. And he said that to me on Twitter, he subtweeted me. You know what I think of subtweet? He put me in the basement. That's the new thing, because you have like the floor and the subfloor. When people subtweet you, they like put you in the basement. He put me in the Twitter basement? Wait, we were boys, and he went and told all those people that I, whatever? It hurts when Christians sin against you, right? And so I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be honest, okay? If you guys don't come into community and you don't sit at the table with other people, I promise you, It'll be safer. I promise you, you won't get hurt as much. I promise you, it'll probably be a lot more comfortable and you could probably live a lot more peacefully. But I'm telling you, for those of you who wanna represent, that's not an option. For those of you who wanna represent, friends, you come to the table and yes, you get hurt by others. Yes, you're in community because we are sinful, messy, hormonal, people, right? Your hormones don't go away when you become 25 and you're male. Um, <laughs> they don't. We're sinful, messy people. But friends, what a statement. What a way to represent when sinful, messy people come together and they go, yeah, we suck sometimes. Yeah, we do stupid things sometimes. But you know what? We're still together because Jesus has brought us together. Right? What a statement. What a way.
to represent. And so the first way to represent, citizens that represent are united, okay? Let's look at the second way. The second way that Paul calls you to represent Jesus. Let's read it. Verses 28 through 30. Verses 28 through 30. He says, And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The second mark of citizens that represent, citizens that represent are bold. Citizens that represent, those of you in here who want to represent, you're called to be bold. Look what he says here. He, look, pull up those verses again. Verse 28. He talks about opponents. Good thing we have the sports analogy going on here, right? Where's Philip? Philip needs his jersey, right? Philip from Philippi, right? That's not his name. That'd be weird. And so he talks about opponents. Are these opponents that are just like super competitive people that just want to beat them, right? Uh, I guess if you mean physically <laughs> beat them, right? Opponents he's talking about here are people who oppose them violently because they follow the gospel. Friends, Jesus, people hated Jesus. Spoiler alert, they're gonna hate you too. People hated Jesus and if you're representing him, they're gonna hate you too. Look what he says here. John chapter 15, verse 20. He says, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name because they don't know him who sent me. Friends, people hated Jesus. Do you understand that? They hated him, they hated his message because it was super offensive. Think about it, right? Like who in their right mind today would come down and say, hey, I'm the son of God, I am God, and I'm the second member of the Trinity, and listen, you are all sinful beings. You've all messed up. You done messed up, hey, Aaron. That's what he says to them. And he says, but... I'm merciful and I'm willing to rescue you. He said, what? Re rescue? Do you know who I am? That's what the Jews did. They go, <laughs> do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? Abraham, ever heard of him? And it was this super offensive message. You want to rescue me? You carpenter boy? Oh, I'm sorry. You're saying my father's not enough? Who was your daddy again? Because I'm pretty sure your mom had an affair, right? That's what they said. You guys don't know that? They said that to Jesus. They accused him of being a bastard, of having a, a, of a mom having a child out of wedlock. And so they were like, we need rescuing? We're sinful? All right, check your birth certificate. You guys have responded to that message with faith. You've responded to that message saying, you know what, you're right, I am messed up. And you know what? I will take the help from God. I will be rescued because you're humble. You've responded in faith and humility, but not everybody responds kindly to the notion that they need to be rescued. Tell your friends that. Hey, how you doing, Zoe? Oh, I'm doing good. What's up? Ah, you know, nothing. Just that you're a sinner and need to be rescued. 
Uh, we're not friends anymore, right? What, you don't follow me on Snapchat anymore? No, you're offensive. <laughs> that is not, uh, that, that's not an easy message. You are messed up and you need to be rescued. Thanks so much, I've been feeling that all day. No, that's offensive. People hated Jesus and they hated his message. And friends, if you stand with Christ, if you represent his message, you will be hated too. That's just what it is. If you are representing Jesus and what he is about, people will hate you. People will find you offensive. And that's why Paul, I mean, look at Paul. Paul in Acts chapter 16, he went to Philippi. So here he is standing up saying, come follow Jesus. He will rescue you. And then he leaves the synagogue, gets beat up and gets whipped and gets kicked out of the city. Not a ringing endorsement, right? Follow me, I have the greatest movement in the world. And then I get beat up because of it. Are you really gonna follow me? But they did. Paul, he's writing this from where? Where's Paul writing this letter from, friends? Prison. He's being persecuted as he speaks. If they hated Jesus, they will help, they, they will hate you. But here's what will help you represent Jesus. Here's what will help you be bold and courageous in the midst of suffering. It's this. Look at the verse. Look what he says here. For it has been granted to you, not only that you should believe in him, but also that you should suffer for his sake. Remembering that suffering for Jesus is actually a privilege. That's what he says. Suffering for Jesus. If you were to stand up right now and get persecuted, get made fun of, get beaten, get thrown in jail, not because you're obnoxious, that's separate, all right? Don't get persecuted because you're obnoxious and then blame it on Jesus, all right? They just don't like the gospel. No, they just don't like you, all right? Stop it. But when you're persecuted for the sake of Jesus, he says it's actually a privilege. How many people in here have been baptized? And they say, hey, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've surrendered my entire life. Raise them high. Let me see. That's tight. Good, good. Okay. Do you understand that that was a privilege granted to you by God the Father? You guys know that, right? Do you guys know that it was granted to you to hear the gospel in the first place? And then it was granted to you like a gift. Like, here you go. It was granted to you to open your heart and say, yes, I need that. It was granted to you. It's from him. But what this text also says is that suffering for Jesus is also from him. Wow, what? Wait, so Jesus, you're saying that that's like a gift, that, that it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus? Why would God grant me that? Why would God grant anyone that? Because it's a privilege. It's a privilege, friends, to suffer for Jesus. It's a privilege. It means that you're standing with him. Jesus was persecuted and killed for his message. So if you're persecuted and killed for your message, that means that you're standing with him. You are united with him. That is a privilege. It's a privilege because if you're united with him in his death and suffering, it means you will also be united with him in his life and resurrection. It's a privilege to say I'm being persecuted because my message accurately reflects Jesus's gospel. And when you see people hate you because they actually hate the Jesus in you, you can rejoice. You can be bold. You can actually rejoice in your suffering, which is a big theme in this book. That blows my mind, 
right? Because I, when I was little, I would read this and I go, time out, time out, take joy. Like I'm supposed to get beat up for Jesus and then go, yippee, I got beat up. I mean, like, is that what it looks like? No, I don't think it's that glib. I don't think we go around that slap happy, but I do think that deep down there's a joy because it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Look at one example here, Acts chapter five. Check this out. The apostles had just been in prison and beaten. And look what it says, students, this is real life, all right? Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram is shallow and flimsy, right? This is, this is social media. Here's some heavy, weighty, real life, man-sized stuff, all right? Listen to this, this is real life. This is mature. Acts 5, verse 40, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and they charged them. Hey, I suggest that you don't do this. And they go, if you do this, I will murder you. They charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then they let them go. So what did they do? They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus, that the Christ is Jesus. I cry when I get a paper cut. I complain when my bed is too hard. I cuss when I stub my toe, right? I'm such a spoiled, whiny little girl in my American culture. Can I just be honest here? Like, guys, I'm so just shallow. And then I read my Bible and I come across stories like this where people suffered, they were threatened, their lives were in danger because they stood up for Jesus and they realized that suffering dishonor for the name was a privilege. And what do they do? They rejoice. Are you kidding me? That's manly stuff right there. That is mature, that is adult. That's like, you're not swimming in the shallow end anymore, huh? Swimming in the deep end. Suffering for Jesus is a privilege. And let's end with this. I wanna, I wanna look at the, right in the middle, there's a verse here. Because when you represent Jesus with unity, when you represent Jesus with courage, when you have these two things and you are living as citizens of heaven, look what happens, friends. Students, this is the encouragement, all right? Here's the grace here. When you represent Jesus with unity and courage and boldness, look what happens. It says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Your unity and courage is a sign. My third and final point. Your unity and your courage is a sign. It's a sign. You're like, Sam, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? It, it, I mean that it's a sign. It's a proof. When opponents come at you, come up here, come up here, stand, right? Stand to your feet, stand, come here. I need, I need people, come stand right in the front, right? You are the Christians, come, come, come. Jess, come, please, I need people. Not coming, Josh, take two. Quaylen, Jordan, let's go, all right? Here we go, here we go, right? You're standing, you're standing. Are they representing Jesus right now? Yeah, yeah because they are united, right? And so here I am, I'm an opponent, right? And I hate them. You know why I hate them? Because they represent Jesus. And guess who I hate? Jesus. And so I look at them and I go, oh, I just, I hate you. You're so offensive. You're a stupid Christian. Get out of my face. There's no such thing as God. Idiots. 
And so I start bashing them and I'm telling them this thing. And what do they do? They're, they stay united. They don't splinter. And I go, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, you're an idiot. I hate you. Just, I'm going to murder you and your family. I just, ah, right? Persecution. They're united and they're not backing down. Show me your bold face. Show me your bold face. <laughs> Trust me, take my word for it, they're bold, right? And so what happens is I see this group of Christians and they're united, the first mark, and they're bold, the second mark. And when I see that, it is a sign. Literally, it is a proof to me. And here's what that sign says. Put it up on the screen. Here's what the sign says. This is unstoppable. That's what the sign is. It is a sign. This is unstoppable. You're on the wrong side. That's what it says to me. Because I look at them and I go, dude, any natural person would be scared by my attacks. They would be disunited because of opposition. But when I see them standing united and bold, it's a sign to me there's something more going on here than just a little mob of idiot Christians. There's something more going on here than just a mob of of foolish people. There's something supernatural about this. God is with them. Therefore, that's a sign that they're saved and I'm on the wrong side. Hashtag destruction. Your unity and your boldness, your courage is a sign to the opposition that they're on the wrong side. And so friends, when we stand united, when we stand courageous, when we don't back down, we're, we're, we're broadcasting, right? We're, we're, we're telling them, hey, this is real. And because we're standing, we're saved because those who persevere to the end will be saved. Thank you guys, you can take a seat. And so here's, yes, thank you. There was one applause worthy. Here's the, um, <laughs> it's like theater class tonight. What am I doing up here? So here's how we're gonna respond tonight, okay? Here's how we're gonna respond. We're gonna have the band come up. They're gonna play some instrumental music. But friends, I'm calling you tonight. Listen to me, I'm calling you tonight. Those of you who are Christians, those of you who claim to follow Jesus through baptism, through going public with your faith, I'm calling you to represent. Represent. Represent Jesus, represent what he's about. Live, as, live a life that is worthy of someone who is a citizen of heaven. And so I got two questions for you tonight, two questions, and I want you guys to ponder this. I want you to, you can write these down, you can journal, you can talk with people as, as the music comes on. But the two questions are this. Actually, it won't be on the screen, I'll just, I'll read it to you. Number one, if you're a Christian, are you representing Jesus and what he's all about? If you're a Christian, what areas of your life are not worthy of the gospel? What areas of your life are not appropriate for someone who's called a citizen? That's the first question. If you're a Christian. My second question, for those of you in here, and I know there's lots of you, and we talk about it every week. There's those of you in this room that are not Christians. You say, hey dude, I'm here. I'm in high school. I'm just trying to figure out what's what. I'm trying to figure out what is life. 
And so my question to you is this, have you ever met someone who represented Jesus? I want you to think about that. If you're not a Christian, have you ever met someone who actually represented Jesus and what he was all about? And I want you to think about what impact did that have on you? Because I want you to consider where you're at with Jesus. I want you to consider, is it real? Is everything we're doing here real? And so those are the questions, friends. And so I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray. And for the next few moments, can we do that? Let's not leave to go to the bathroom and go get water. Let's stay here. And I want you to do a mature thing. I want you to think. And I want you to answer those two questions. 